You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pullbox Podcast. This is episode number 71 and I am your host, Curtis Findlay. I'm your other host, Michael Cohen. And in today's episode, we are talking about black science. Yes. This is an image book by Rick Remender. Matteo Scalera, and Dean White. And this is volume one, How to Fall Forever. What an interesting concept for this book. This this book is, um, do you remember the show Sliders? Yep. I, this book is Sliders if Sliders didn't suck. <laughs> now, yeah. now, a lot of people are going to take issue with that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of this. It has a cult following. Everybody sure. loves sliders, right? Everybody who knows what you're talking about when you say sliders loves sliders. Uh, don't get me wrong. I am one of the biggest sliders fans you'll ever meet. I have the entire series on DVD, uh, which means that I have also watched the entire series <laughs> in recent history. Okay. Um, and it is bad. Oh man, it's it's like it's '90s genre TV bad, right. where it's like. Well, it was that was made when there was just the sci sci-fi boom, and like because of yeah. Star Trek was so popular, and like yeah. Stargate came out, and yeah. um, Babylon Five, and Sliders was just kind of sticking it in there as well. Yeah. So Black Science is a very similar type story about uh, a a scientist. Who I uh, or a team of scientists, team of scientists, yeah, who figure out how to uh, uh, punch a hole between dimensions, yep, and uh, travel to alternate realities. Basically, uh, uh, working under the quantum theory that uh, uh, every time you make a decision, um, so the, it's it's the the best analogy for it is always the coin toss, right? Every time you toss a coin comes out heads in our reality, there's an alternate reality that splits off where it comes up tails. Right. And everything is different in that reality. So um, another sh- uh, TV show that did it really great was uh, Fringe, where yeah. they they had the alternate reality in that. And the that they took that analogy and that was literal. Um, every... Every like black and white dichotomy decision, like everything that was basically decided by a coin toss, came out the opposite in the alternate reality, yep. and it resulted in, you know, I, I differences as slight as one character having black hair instead of blonde hair, or there being zeppelins with <laughs> giant screens and uh, bad guys being in charge, and the the Statue of Liberty being different. What um, makes this premise, though, in this book different, yeah. is that on the very first attempt, yeah, um, they get it, they get stranded on this planet with aliens yeah. and everything like that. So uh, the thing that I love about it is that those two examples that I gave, Sliders and Fringe, um, the story is about the other dimensions. Yeah. Black Science, that's just the backdrop. Yeah. The story is really about 
uh it's about these characters it's about um, getting home yeah that's the death that's the that's yeah. the the journey well but it's re- but i think it's really about about mckay and like the mistakes that he's made and the the right. sort of the life that he's lived and um using the idea of quantum theory and and alternate realities as this great way of pitting him against himself literally at times <laughs> yeah um and the decisions that he makes so the book opens with him basically recounting uh that everything that brought him here like he is the version of grant mckay that made every wrong decision every time he was faced with something uh if there were two paths he took the path that was the wrong answer yeah um and so sort of like regretting his position and his station and and uh um uh, he's very anti-authoritarian and all of these sorts of things and it got him to where he is but it's also held him back and it's caused problems with his relationships and um and uh, uh on top of that it's managed to get him his kids and uh his entire team of scientists and and associates stranded in another dimension with crazy fish people uh <laughs> and right off the bat like uh, this the, one of the characters dies um yeah i like so that the stakes um, are high right from the get-go yeah the opening is just uh it just plunges you right into the world this other world yeah. not knowing at all because when when we picked up this book when i suggested to read it it came on recommendation from me from my cousin and i didn't know anything about it okay so i i didn't know it was about dimensions i knew it was yep. science fiction because of the covers like oh yeah outer sure. space and stuff but i had no idea it's what got, it was it actually ha- about yeah the covers have like a very frank frazetta john yeah. carter sort of totally uh, uh, style to them which like so yeah the second they they you said like i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna pull black science next month i google searched it real quick and all these images come up in google image search and, and i was like, like okay i was yep. like yeah i'm down i'm down because even if the story is terrible the art is phenomenal the art is phenomenal and, uh, and then it turns out that the story is actually probably one of the better comic stories that i've read in a while yeah actually i'll go ahead and say not just comics this is one of the better stories in in media that i've experienced oh, wow. in probably the last couple of years because it is so unique um and the characters are so fleshed out they have voices that are distinct and and uh feel real and um they're more complex than at first blush yeah which i love and then the setting is just so great. Well, it's not just because of the setting. It's the multiple settings because yeah. through this book. So yeah. here's the the premise is that um, they go to test out. It's called the pillar. It's yeah. this, this is the device that they've created that will get them to different dimensions. They go to test it for the very first time. Um, his kids are there, but they're not meant to actually take the journey. Yeah. But something happens that accidentally sets off the contraption um, ahead of schedule so they get zapped into this other dimension yeah and from then on the device that uh, that dictates when and they can come and go is broken uh, and a timer is set so that uh, they only have a certain amount of time before yeah. the pillar makes another jump yeah so they have to go out and gather their supplies or whatever but they have to be back at a certain time otherwise they'll be stranded in that dimension and the pillar will jump without them 
Which is the exact plot of Sliders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, like, I've, I've like, never seen Sliders, so. Oh, really? Yeah. So, the like, Sliders is literally, like, so, boy genius, I, I, Jerry O'Connell's character, what's his name? I can't remember his name right now. Um, it's very late at night as we record this. I, I, oh, I can just see his gorgeous, gorgeous face. Jerry O'Connell's very, very <laughs> handsome man. Um, uh, along with his professor John Reese Davies, uh, 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 and uh, and his girlfriend, and uh, and then later on a friend that they meet in another one of the dimensions. Um, it, basically, like he he goes to test this thing, and he uh, he he goes through, and uh, uh, on the other side, like the the oh, what do they call it? Jeez. Earlier I said I'm like a huge Sliders fan and now I can't think of any of this stuff, but basically like their version of the pillar. Yeah. Um, it has a timer on it and the timer is random every time. Like, like, like it's set. Oh, to wow. A so time. it's exactly the it's same. It's exactly okay, the same. Okay. Well, I don't, it, this is not as unique as I thought it was. And they can't then. get home. The best part about Sliders though is that in the pilot, the spoilers for the pilot of Sliders from like 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago. Um, they go through and and they they they're traveling through these different dimensions and they're like oh no we're lost and then he's like i i i th- okay i think i i i've got it i think i think we can get home and he and they go through the the wormhole or whatever and they come out and they come out in front of his house and it's uh, they've only got 5 minutes or something like that to to determine whether or not they're in their own home reality and he's like i know i know like the surefire test this gate always squeaks and he goes and he moves the gate and it doesn't make a noise <laughs> and he go and they're like ah oh, okay and the, like the timer goes and they go and they jump back through and then after they jump through the wormhole uh, this guy comes out the the front door and and uh, the main character's mom is there and she's like, "Thanks so much for yeah, for, for fixing the, the gate." gate. Yeah, oh, I've God. been asking. Oh, man, I really wish I could remember his name, but I've been asking my son to do that for for ages, and he just hasn't gotten around to it. And, uh, and I was like, oh, no problem, no problem. Squeak's totally gone now. <laughs> and so, like at the end of the pilot, like they get back and then immediately leave. So. Uh, and then and then it nice. takes them a long time before they get back. But Sliders goes to some pretty cl- crazy places by the end of that series. Cool. Uh, uh, but it's the, it's the exact same premise. It's the exact same premise. But because this is a comic, they can do some stuff that. Uh, oh yeah, a I'm 90s sure the television show couldn't. The do. aliens and stuff probably look a lot better. I, I really like this guy, Matteo Scalera. His art is just fantastic. He's got a very unique, uh, unique style. It's. Um, it's a little bit cartoony. Yeah. Um, like uh, the main character, Grant, has this big nose um, that you wouldn't ever see in a, you know, just a regular Marvel comic or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's he uh, has some great textures to, I guess, let's see if he colored this. I'm not sure if he used the colorist as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, uh, I didn't check, but. Okay, so. Matteo Scalera is the artist. Dean White does the painted art. So he okay. he um, did. I would assume that's the colorist, basically. Maybe the, yeah. you could consider him the inker as well. But uh, the two of them together just are a fantastic team. Uh, my only gripe about it is that um, 
his two characters, Rebecca, which um, Grant is having an affair with. He's one of his scientists. Yeah. And his daughter, Pia, kind of look the same. They, they, and, they just have different hairstyles, but their faces are very similar. And I mistook them a few times yeah. reading it. and uh, Especially had, because yeah. there's a few moments where they're sort of in conflict with one another. Yeah. So it was a little bit, it was a little tough to uh, to discern that, to distinguish that. But uh yeah. Yep, but otherwise I liked I liked these this first volume. I thought that um it was nice that they went to some different worlds and they all had all the different worlds had different purposes. They weren't all just like, "Oh no, the indigenous creatures of this world are not trying to kill us." Yeah. They actually went to a world where the indigenous creatures are nice and gave them hot baths and and food and stuff and yeah. so Yeah. Yeah, um, where like it's just a civilization yeah, just like ours. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's But I loved I absolutely love that that one of the worlds that they end up on is a world where I I Western civilization doesn't make it all the way west, right? And so I uh, like it's never explicitly said, but it's sort of implied that because Europeans didn't go to the New World, I I the indigenous people of North America were able to uh, develop on their own, right? And they developed at a way faster rate than the Western <laughs> world, and so they've got in World War One, they've got like spaceships basically yeah, and laser guns and yeah. stuff yeah <laughs> and so you like there's the it's like this awesome warrior uh a group of uh of uh native american apache uh, i think they specifically call out that they're apache um, so are they traveling warriors. through time then as well as as well as space well i think like the 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 if every single thing that could happen can happen differently, then time the, could move differently. Then World War One could happen in present day rather yeah. than back in yeah. the early exactly. So early 20th so century. yeah, it's it's one of those things with alternate realities where it's like, um, look, even with Star Trek, it, they don't even do alternate realities necessarily. Sometimes it's just another planet that developed with like humans right. developed there as well, but they've developed a few hundred years behind yeah. humans on earth. So they're just in the middle of their 1930s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good old, good old classic Star Trek. Um, it's just an excuse for it. them to use backlots. That's yep. all that is. It but, is. Uh, production value. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just thought, like such great, unique, uh, clever ideas um, that are not even important to the story. No. Like that's the biggest thing is like eh, it doesn't even really matter, but like what if in World War 1 the Germans were fighting yeah. uh Native American cyber warriors with yeah. giant mech suits. Like it's just it's silly, but it's also kind of ridiculously awesome. So So I the one it. thing that uh that Grant, the main character, is trying to do is get his. He's very protective of his kids, of course, because he's they weren't supposed to be on this journey and into these dangerous places. So he's trying to get them, get them home. And but then all of a sudden he's meted with a by a mystery person. Who ends up being, um, another version of himself from a yeah. different dimension or different time. Who, who in that one, his kids have died. Yeah, and so he's now found out that um, another Grant has also created a pillar and has his kids alive. So yeah. he's coming to take his kids. So the great thing about this is that um, Grant dies. 
So yeah, yeah. in his <laughs> like, first volume, he dies in the first volume, which is like like I said at the beginning of this, like you know, one of the characters, Jen, is killed in the first few pages. And you're kind of like, oh, so that's where the stakes are at. Anybody can die at any time. <laughs> and then you get into that complacency of like, well, except for the main character. Because, yeah, a couple other people right? die throughout the course of yeah. this as well. Or yeah. kind of are presumed presumed dead. Yeah, like Ward, Ward Ward, yeah, I, I meets with sort of an untimely fate. But, uh, I, yeah. And, I, and then the main character. And then the main character dies. And the guy that we assume is the bad guy for much of it is actually actually manages to get away like it manages to to sort of make it back to the group um because kadir is sort of painted as this asshole like uh uh corporate sort of bureaucrat yeah bureaucrat yeah. scientist who happened to be standing in the pillar when it jumped for the first yeah. time as well and then as the story progresses we discover that well he's actually the one who sabotaged the pillar in the first place um and Grant thinks that he did it because he's jealous or because he wants to take credit or what have you. But we get we get Kadir's inner monologue. And unless Kadir is really good at lying to himself and us as the audience, uh, his motives are actually very altruistic where he looks at the pillar as as a dangerous yeah. device that um that will only bring chaos and destruction. Cause as much as yeah. like, they're going to, they like Grant wants to use it to, to, you know, get resources from other dimensions because resources yeah, are running scientific out knowledge from other resources to solve cancer. And yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Kadir looks at it and says like, as much as there are the benefits, the, the dangers are way out, like the yeah. pathogens and viruses and, and, uh, weapons and technology that will make it into the wrong hands and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, so he agrees to fund the research in order to sabotage it and, and yeah. discourage Grant from ever revisiting it and just put it out of his mind. But unfortunately, he gets he gets pulled in with everybody else because he shows up to stop them to get everybody away from the pillar before it goes off because yeah. Grant's kids are there and he's like, well, they're not supposed to be there. He doesn't care about the rest of the team. The rest of the team can get stuck in another dimension. Yeah, but these are innocent kids, but not these yeah. kids. So he shows up and he ends up getting stuck with them. Um, but yeah, it's just like. Um, you know, I I think we've kind of talked about some time travel stuff before. We definitely did with the, with the uh, the uh, the Adernaut and uh, yep. great time travel stories and that sort of thing. But seconds, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Black Science is the same sort of story, but instead of it being time travel, it's interdimensional travel. Yeah. Um, and instead of it being like traveling through time, it's what if every decision that was ever made turned out the other way or a different way and the infinite possibilities of that yeah and there's some really cool sci-fi concepts in this like they refer to it to the multiverse actually they refer to it as the eververse not the multiverse um because multi implies that there's a finite number but eververse implies that it's infinite hmm. um and they they refer to it as the onion yeah because each each decision creates another layer and another layer and another layer and the layers are multifaceted um and then his son asks the question of but what's what's at the the core yeah and uh and and grant's kind of like that's why you're a smart kid because like that's we might never know but it 
it would be theoretically based on this this presumption of their eververse it would theoretically be the first decision <laughs> and then the kid's like so you mean like god and he's like yeah because he's a yeah. scientist so he's very pragmatic yep. about it and very like well i don't know if i would say god but the closest thing that science will allow to that or something <laughs> like that do you think they'll reach the core at some point through the series uh, i think if the series has a has a has a beginning middle and an end then yeah but if it's like the walking dead and it's intended to just keep going forever then no right but but right. I don't know has it has it continued past these oh, first yeah. few issues? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. There's uh, there are three or four volumes out. I think now. Okay. I, Great. I'm pretty sure. Awesome, because I I would love to to dig deeper into it. Yeah. Continue with the series because it ends on on a, like it ends with Grant dying and then like they basically jump to they, the next place. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, okay, well I've become invested in many of these characters. Um, yeah, some of them surprisingly so. It was and, a fantastic uh, first volume. Yeah, and so I uh, now I really need to see it through. But mm-hmm. both of the both of the the stories that we that we dug into this month ended on like, well, now I need the next volume. <laughs> that's good. They're doing their job. Then <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, that's what. You, that's kind of what you want. But at the yeah. same time, it's kind of like, yeah, I have too many things to read already. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, me too. Good. Cool. Wow. Well, next month it'll be a very different change of pace. Yep. Um, we'll be on location at the Vancouver Retro Gaming Expo. Yep. And we're talking about retro gaming comics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, uh, story and art by Shotaro, sorry, Shotaro... Ish, Ishinomori, yeah, sure. That's that's, that's how we're gonna go with that. Um, as well as Super Mario Adventures with story by Kentaro uh, Takekuma and art by Charlie Nozawa. Um, both of these come from the pages of Nintendo Power Magazine, and uh, and are collected. Uh, they they were collected recently by Viz. Yep. And so um, I'm excited to jump into these because I remember these comics sort of piecemeal and the random issues of Nintendo Power that I may have had or borrowed or yep. read at a friend's house. So it's going to be cool to actually read through the full stories. And it's they're great. Uh, I just read them with my boys. Yeah. And they're just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> so been looking forward to this. Uh, so it's going to be a retro gaming month. Yeah. On Pullbox, uh, we haven't done the theme month, month in a little while, so nope. so cool. Uh, great. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next time. Keep reading comics. For more episodes of the Pullbox Podcast, visit us at pullboxpodcast.com or on iTunes. You can find me on various social media websites. Just search for Curtis Findlay, and that's Curtis with a K. You can follow me on Twitter at ArcWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, and, you know, on Tumblr and Instagram and all those other social medias as well. Uh, go to patreon.com slash thunderquack to support us, where you can kick in as little as a dollar and get a bunch of great rewards. The exclusive Thunderquack podcast, as well as access to the Facebook group. And by getting access to the Facebook group, you get that direct line to us to send us suggestions for what we should read on the podcast. 
If you like this podcast, you can check out other great podcasts on the Thunderquack Network by heading to thunderquack.com. 